welcome back to another episode of We Making It Woo. This is a weekly conversation into access of success so we can all what? Progress. If you want to know what success looks like in your 20s, well, just keep listening. As always, if you want to be a part of the conversation, be sure to email me. Email me at katiesmiles.nyc at gmail.com. Shout out to Ashley Pierre Lewis and all of my like recent college grads. This literally came to me, but Ashley showed me love via Instagram, which I always appreciate. If you like an episode, let me know. If you hate an episode, let me know. I'm not partial. Uh, but shout out to her for showing me love. But also shout out to all of the recent college and high school graduate shout out to my cousin Denise Tyson who graduates in a week I'm super excited and proud of you all here is to you know all the places that you will go all the people that you will meet and all the people you will soon become I'm super happy for you congratulations what happened last night y'all I got a new job and so I was at work uh, this is a huge transition. I definitely will do an episode about it at some point. But I am working at, shout out to Risbo BK off of Flatbush in my hood, Prospect Leverage Gardens or East Flatbush. Um, but yeah, I'm training as a bartender. I have not broken any glasses. Thank you. And so we are excited about that. What am I reading? I'm still uh, getting through No Ashes in the Fire it's getting good, but I had to go back and read Come As You Are. I don't know if you guys remember this book, but I talked about it way, way back in the Rebecca Fitton's episode, maybe. Maybe. It was way, way back. I read this. Y'all, I read this book like months ago. But, you know, some conversations came up. And so I had to go back and read the book. And as always, it has perfect gems. If you're looking for a book that... um. It's super sexual health, sex positive, notions around sex in the States. Um, it's a really good book. It's by Emily Nagoski. It's called, yeah, it's called Come As You Are. I've read the book already once. Um, my therapist recommended it to me. So uh, if you want to read it, let me know and I can show you how to get it. And then also, if you want to just talk about your experience with the book, like if you hated the book, just let me know. All good. Are you reading anything? Yeah, I literally thought. That, that you were going to say that it was about sex. sex. And, and I was like, like oh, it is. Oh, okay, that's dope. That's what's up. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, but it's not, it's not like, oh, the positions of sex. It's kind of like the man versus female, because she's very clear that she does, she looks at man and female as binary in this particular book. She doesn't get into trans or anything, or trans identifying bodies. Um, but she talks about our parts and how they're basically the same, just rearranged. And then she takes that into like sex positive context versus non-sexual positive context. She talks about this thing called non-concordance or disconcordance. I don't know if y'all remember that song. So fat. And why you want to go and do that? He says in one of the verses, now why you keep saying no when your panties so wet? Ah, now in this book, she explains why. Your body can be conditioned to expect something without actually wanting sex so you could be like literally your body parts can be like hot and bothered but you're not hot and bothered it's just like your body reacting comparable to pavlov's pavlov's the dog experiment so it's i say all that to say it goes into things like that it goes into like how to build intimacy uh, and also what was really really helpful i think for me was just kind of normalizing certain things that people do or certain desires that you have uh within a but maybe within a partnership, but also with not in a partnership. Mm. Uh, everything from like body positivity to like how do you ask for things. It's really, really great. That's what I said. If you want to talk about the book, I've read it. I highly, oh, and it has worksheets. Oh. Your girl loves a good worksheet. I love good. I love worksheets oh, yeah. because it gives you time to just like sit down and like, for, for example, the one that I did recently, I redid it. It was like, write down your one of your best sexual experiences but it was specifically like what what was happening what was the weather like what were your stress levels like uh were you anxious uh did you have any kind of injuries did you like it really asked you to paint the picture mm -hmm. 
so that if you recreate those that if you try to recreate that scenario in this time maybe you are now in grad school and you're just stressed and like that's the big difference or like maybe you're not happy with your body anymore because like in the book they do talk about pregnancy Mm -hmm. so it gives you a real opportunity to be um clear and critical about why things were great and why things are sucking and then from that place move forward so again like i said i can't express i love this book i think it sounds informative that yeah, I think it was so great for me, and I've recommended it to like everybody I know. I'll so come back once I read it. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. Well, <laughs> and it is dedicated to female readers, so I'd be curious to see what oh. my male or male identifying even folk, more so to read it. Yeah, I'd yeah. be curious to see what people, how people identify with it, and how people access it. Mm-hmm. What are you reading? I am reading "Thou Shalt Prosper" by Rabbi Lapin. Hmm. It's pretty much a Jewish take on success and money. Oh. And so, yeah. You I, like it? I love it. I'm a slow reader, so okay. I like to milk. I've been reading this for 2019. I mean, I've been reading it for months. But I'm also reading um, Mere Christianity, or I'm listening to Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. So. You doing audio? Audible. Audible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do, do Audible, Audible that whole jam. Cool. So that's my train ride. That was a wave I could not get into. So maybe you can tell Audible? me. Yeah. Audible? Yeah, I think I'm... It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's dope. dope. Like, like, you, you get, get to, to just multitask. multitask. So, so for, for one, one, I like reading a hardcover hard book. Like, like, I just like feeling the pages. pages. Yeah, I get yeah, into me, all of that. Me too. And having my space. But I also like getting educated on the move. And, and it, it makes, makes makes me feel inspired. inspired. So uh, I can just do anything. I can be on the train, get out of here, and get to somewhere I need to go while getting educated. I can be cooking. I can be doing anything, like, and still getting educated. I can be moving and grooving and like getting educated. Like it's just so perfect for the versatile person. I hear you, and I do this with TED talks. I do this with podcasts. Oh, okay. Yeah. But something about the actual audiobook, I don't know what happens. I don't know if I zone out. I have have literally no idea. But I tried it once or twice, and I was like, yeah. And maybe it's because podcasts are meant to be listened to. Like, there is nothing to watch. In TED Talks, though they are, there is someone on the stage. The purpose is really to hear what they're saying. Whereas, like, with a book... Maybe listening to what the purpose of an audiobook is to listen, but the purpose of a book is to read it. You see what I'm saying? And so, and also, too, I had like real, I actually did have comprehension issues as a kid, so this could totally be something with that. Okay, because I hated listening to people read as a kid, I would be so lost. Like, that's interesting. What happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, I I hope you had a great time with the transitions episode with Preston. that one took a turn that I was not expecting. So I hope you enjoyed it and just let me know what you think. But as always, people are out here making good things and we have to talk about these things. So special guests, can you please introduce yourself? What up, what up, what up? <laughs> this is Keelan Q. Arnold. How, How you feeling? I'm, I'm kind of tired. You're kind of tired? A little bit. Oh. But... This is nothing to do with me, because, honey, I'm just making these podcasts. What are you, what have you been making for quite some time that's about to premiere very soon? Yeah, I've been creating, me and a couple of others, Sibo Terry Carr and David Castro, we've been co-producing a film called Building Shop. Hey. And it is a film based off of... The upliftment and paying homage to our elders within the street dance community. Hey, now. So we're having a release party on the 31st, to which anyone is invited to. Yes. And so it's going to be at the VC House in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Hey, now. Dope space. Um, and then we're also in the midst of a building shop challenge this month. Yes. So pretty much what we're doing with that is getting anybody who has any artistic expression 
but it's specified for street dancers um, and open to anyone uh, to express themselves in their medium and then put a shout out on social media to the person who has positively influenced that medium in some way. So it's been really cool to see. There's been a good few street dancers who have taken the challenge and I've learned about some elders that I haven't ever heard of who are insanely dope. And uh, yeah, it's been a beautiful and gratifying thing. So let's go back a bit. Tell me a little bit about what was the impetus for this project? Like, what was brewing uh, before you thought, like, what what was brewing to then make you think, like, oh, this totally needs to be a movie? Yeah. So, for one, I graduated from The Ohio State University. The Ohio State. Shout out to the many people that go there. The or in the right? end. Yep. Right, right. Literally. Yeah. So... They, I ended up getting an email about a dance preservation grant that they do annually. Yeah. And so they give $15,000 a year to this notion of dance preservation. Yeah. And when I saw that, I've been, it intersected with me in a, being in a mindset of I need to figure out how I'm giving to this community. Okay. And, and so, so I'm a big part of my professional career since grad after grad school has been what am I doing to serve and what communities am I wanting to be a part of in order to be of service. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, here's a perfect opportunity. Okay. And instead of just creating my own proposal, I reached out to elders and OGs and people within the street dance community who I respect and ask them what they would want to do if they got some money. So Castro, I talked to Sibo and I talked to Castro and Castro ultimately had this idea of paying homage to elders. He previously created a little YouTube series uh, I think it was My Dance TV or something like My Dance Life TV. And that did a similar vibe, but um, to, I forget what were the reasons, but he ended up stopping it. And so this has been something that's brewing on his mind for a while and has been a part of his purpose. And so he shared it to, uh, with me and I wrote it down and uh, ended up getting the grant uh, summer of last year. And so we have since been building shop for lack of better words yeah. yeah and you mentioned or you framed it as a notion of dance preservation can you talk a little bit about why you choose the word notion because i feel like notion has an opportunity to be uh accessed in different ways just, just the concept, concept. it's just, just a concept, concept of dance, dance preservation, preservation. Um, yeah and, and the, the name, name of dance preservation. preservation did you feel like and this is just me taking a gamble. I don't know because I did not go to grad school. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like during your grad school education? Well, first off, what was your relationship to hip hop when you went to grad school? Like the hip hop community that you are talking about serving now? Mm-hmm. I had very little relation in regards to a direct contact. By the time I got into grad school, I had just been dancing for three years, seriously. So I was a toddler in regards to dance in general. Yeah. And the history and cultural aspects of hip hop were also fairly new to me. Yeah. Um, So for my last six weeks of undergrad at Penn State, mm-hmm. my elder, uh, Kiki Franklin, Kikora Franklin, she forced me to do a senior project. At that point, I didn't have to, but I was slacking so much in my classes that she was like, I'm not letting you graduate unless you do this thing. So, Q, what was you doing? Uh, girl, that's a long story. <laughs> uh, your boy has matured <laughs> quite uh, drastically. Um, but, but yeah, she was like, like y'all gonna need you to create a substantial piece of work before you leave here. Oh, and well, that's clear. Yeah, yeah it, it was great. great. It, it, it was beautiful because it, it launched me into this historical cultural aspect. Because for this project, you chose hip hop. The scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah for but sure. why? Why? Yeah. It's been something 
since 2004 when you got served came out that has been a significant part of my life in one way or another i think when i was established or learning about and configuring what blackness meant to me as a kid growing up in philadelphia i that that's what i ended up gravitating towards those were one, some of the first um pieces of, of media and inspiration that i looked at um to besides like my family and my church to to grab on to what it means to be black um so that i think talking about the origins that's where it started um you know so breathe in breathe out like that was my jam that was my joint and ever since then it has some way been prevalently in my life and so yeah it was not a question as to what i would be focusing on even though i was learning contemporary and postmodern and ballet and all of these different styles it's always been it's always been hip-hop right or your heart has always been towards hip-hop yeah with hip-hop yeah yeah so but i want to answer what you were asking earlier go for it what my relationship to, to the community I was, was literally about to segue um, yeah well well before yeah, you go, go to the community I do want to talk about that transition from like so you did this amazing project you graduated <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank god yes it was close so then talk to me a little bit about because I'm I want to try to like break it up into little chunks kind of mm-hmm. like get a chronologically okay. like hip-hop okay so you finish this project you go to grad school how does this and, and does, because I'm just assuming that it will, but maybe it didn't. How does this project set the scene for grad school? Or My senior it? project. Yeah. How does it set the scene for grad school? So, like, did you walk into grad school? Because I know, or I'm kind of familiar with, like, with the grad school, you have a thesis concert. Right. And so, was you walking in, like, yo, I'm about to do my thesis on something, 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 hip-hop. I'm about to, like, break these boys off. You know, I'm just about to, like, shut them down. I I wish wish I could come in that confident. confident. Coming in into such a prestigious program where they articulate the hell out of dance, yeah, it, it was intimidating, intimidating. and mm-hmm. so I literally came in as a sponge, like, yo, let me just soak up everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't create any work. I didn't think about creating any work. Um, I, I barely did research besides outside. I mean, outside of class. Right. Um, I was just like, give me everything. What is this? Where am I? What is what is the dance world? How does it work? How do y'all move? And, and how do I move in relationship to that? Right. And so, so yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't come. I didn't really come in with any confidence about it. Um, I just wanted to be a sponge. So then, being a sponge, how did hip hop then come into your grad school experience? Given that you went to Ohio State, so the hip hop elders that you have, they're not there. No, I, I mean there there are some there are okay. some in Columbus, um, but there's the scene is very very small, and so. Ask, Ask the, the question, question one more time. So how did hip, given that you were just being a sponge, where did hip hop come? I, I want to say come back because we, we saw or you talked about briefly how it came into the senior project. But when did it come into the grad, the grad school landscape? It, it was, was always there because I am hip hop. So it, it never left. left. But when... There is nothing in the institution that I'm submerged in that has to do with hip hop. It ends up being a really, really a space for me, like a toolbox space, like a, a playground. So pretty much everything that I would take in the institution, I would relate it back to what I enjoy about hip hop. Right. So. My question, the reason I chose grad school in general is because I'm like, I do things that I don't understand. I don't understand. So what what is it? Like, and not many people are talking to me about this. And so I just had questions on questions about what is it that I like to do. And so Ohio State ended up being a service to me in 
answering, indirectly answering those questions. So I would look at how postmodern, modern, and contemporary choreographers, teachers, scholars, etc., are looking at their world. Right. Mostly based, at, you know, from a Eurocentric lens. Right. And then I'm studying that and being like, okay. Now, how do I extract that outside of the, what are the general topics and themes that I can extract and apply to hip hop? And so that's how it was happening, especially my first year. Um, and from, from my first year, at, like during my second year, I started to feel more at home and like, okay, let me put these practices that I'm connecting to fruition yeah and let me put it out there a little bit um so at that point there are many layers to it but at that point i still wasn't like i knew where hip-hop came from that it's a culture um all of like those foundational pieces of knowledge but i still valued the urban or commercial hip-hop scene that lives on the west coast mm -hmm. much more than i valued the traditional foundational styles from the east yeah um, or east and west but from from the underground communities yeah um so i was dealing with that what were the aesthetics of the commercial realm uh, the urban choreo realm uh, versus the foundational hip-hop styles realm um I was trying to navigate the fact that I'm in a concert stage space where none of these round, none of these styles really exist at, especially in Columbus and Ohio State. Um, and so, how excuse me, how am I entering uh, a concert stage space with being a newbie in this in this with this information and this knowledge? Um, and, and so, so yeah, there were there were a, there were a lot, lot of different layers, layers that were happening, but I just I was just moved. Like it's another thing where I was just wanting to dance, yeah, and wanting to create. And so I'm just gonna do the thing. And again, I think when you're when you're young in something, there's that you have the audacity just to be, right? And nobody can tell you nothing, right? And so there's something about that young spirit. Yeah. That, that that existed there, and I was just doing it to because I wanted to do it, and I knew I had a passion to do it. Um, but all of the figuring out the contextualizations of what I was doing uh, was coming with time. Yeah, which is a a great segue. Mm, I'm not gonna forgive myself if I don't ask you this. So before we push forward, I do. I think this is a really important conversation. So when you as I'm listening to your experience, I'm thinking not only about my experience, but about a lot of people's experiences that I've heard and specifically how hip hop as a discourse. I mean, I took hip hop philosophy. That Dope. was the closest thing to hip hop I got. That's fire. And I went to a huge state school. Shout so out to Texas A&M. Texas A&M was up. Yes. Uh, so briefly slash not briefly, can you talk about... Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the maybe like the functionality of hip hop movement and its uh, efficacy in larger institutions? But then we have the cultural aspect, too. Like, I think I know that hip hop is a very three dimensional experience. So what do you think of it in terms of its necessity in large institutions? Well, I embody the value and prose of it being in institutions as a teacher myself within the university setting. So I teach at Hunter College. I just got done teaching as a guest artist at Bard College. Before that, I was at Towson University. And then obviously learned about these things in um, the academic setting. So I believe for people who are interested and intrigued and are consumers of the culture mm -hmm. and have a desire to learn more about it mm -hmm. it's a it's a safe it's a it's a safe spot um mm -hmm. if you have teachers who know what they're talking about of course um 
and who, who give, give the knowledge with authenticity and integrity. Right. I think it's, it's a, a it's a safe space to learn about it, learn about the communities, and without while while being yeah a safe, safe space to to show your ignorance to show the spectrum of learning that you're on um without being judged as much um it's not as high stakes uh and so i think there's quite a lot of value in giving this information to students who are curious and want to yeah. know more yeah so i i think there's huge value in that i i going right away into the cons of it i mean you're talking about a long history between institutions large institutions and underground black and brown communities um you know when it comes to appropriation when it comes to commodification when it comes to just a whole bunch of different layers um so there is quite a lot of responsibility i believe on any instructor or teacher who enters that institutional space and i'm specifically talking about the academy right now but i think this goes in general as well right i think there's a huge responsibility to be both a part of an integral part of the institution that you teach within while also being a student of the community aka being embedded within it and so how how do you do that right. is then the question um, but i think that's a how is a secondary question right i think the commitment to do that right is the first. right amazing amazing shout out to dr curry that was my hip-hop philosophy teacher okay um was, was it rap was it rap philosophy or so we hmm, it was you i felt like the purpose of that course was to look at how lyrics in songs uh, uh, kind of dispel secretly the common pheno- common philosophies of someone like Frantz Fanon. Okay. Um, but given like how I grew up, I could kind of take that information and like I could I could push back and be like, "Is this what he's saying?" Right. I had to like I remember I you quoted. Had some knowledge. Well, yeah, because I remember I was like quoting UGK lyrics, and I was like, "No, I wasn't quoting UGK lyrics. I was quoting this group. Shout out to Houston, home my hometown. <laughs> I was quoting Fifth Ward Boys lyrics, and I'm like, so you mean to tell me when he says this, this is this is that? Because I think that's this, mm-hmm. but it really." <laughs> the lyrics that I chose were a little vulgar. <laughs> so he was stuck on the words that I chose to say mm, in the middle of class. Get past. <laughs> That's interesting for a hip-hop philosophy, philosophy teacher to be get stuck oh, on the vulgarity. Oh, I'll tell you the lyrics of this one because it, it's probably one of the most vulgar set of lyrics Got I know. It. But I keep it in my pocket just in case. Spit it out. Um, but I, I do think, yes, along, I completely agree with what you were saying. Um, even something like hip hop that looks completely different, like being from Houston versus like now I live in New York City and like what hip hop looks like here is not what it looks like back home. Um, but just like the value to me as a student at that time, because once you got to break down the lyrics, you could really go into a larger context about blackness mm. and about your place in the world. And that's what I appreciated okay. because I couldn't find that in dance history which i do love and i can argue about for days um so i'm all for pushing that conversation to be as inclusive because if um if if one conversation can put your like help you find your place then i think all the conversations should at least give you the opportunity to do the same and i think sometimes at least in large institutions conversations that are crafted by black and brown bodies are sometimes secondary when I think that they can be just as primary as any other conversation. They are just as primary. Yes, and and, and, and should be seen as such. So that was a really long Backstory, but mm-hmm. I love those because I like to set the scene. I'm like, like how, how much you really want? want. <laughs> you asked. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know what I want. I know what I need. That's right. what I asked for. Um, so you graduated. And it, what I love, if you guys remember in Preston's episode, what I love is that, and I'm gonna push, I'm gonna use this what I love to like segue into the next point. What I love is that you said that like hip hop has always been 
it's like uh it's like a seed that's always just kind of been in your pocket like been in like your little belly and regardless of what happened like they were saying like this and you were like and hip-hop let me show you how that like connects Mm -hmm. and i love that um just as a as a person your loyalty not only like grew and transformed but it was always kind of seeded and like rooted i think that I think that that really then allows you to take on such what is such a huge project. So mm. that said, you graduated mm-hmm. from grad school, mm-hmm. the Ohio State University. That's well. How did we? How did you start to like build these threads with? Because Sibo's here. Sibo is in New York City. And then what was the and other he lives elder? In Jersey, uh, Castro. Castro. Yeah. So Sibo and Castro are here. They are. And you over there. So, so tell me how this braid then formed to create such a huge project. Okay. I know it's a lot, but that's why I did it the way that I did. Okay. So to recognize your last point with the, I lost my thought. You were saying, oh, that that it's been a seed in my belly. Um, To recognize that seed in the belly thing, I think it is, it's not just hip hop. It's the African, it's African, African African-American diasporic forms. Like it's all a part of who I am. It's just how much am I willing, able to recognize it and delve into it? How much do I really want to know about it? But it's there, it's in me. Um, And so even as I was existing, prevalently within academia and postmodern and contemporary classes and all the things, people would just be like, you know, like there's something, there's something different, which I, I attribute to God first off, but I attribute to being in tune and embodying my inherent gift of being, being black and being of African descent and what that means in my body and how that spirit exudes in this vessel, through this vessel. And so, yeah, I just want to recognize that it's not just hip-hop. It is, it is all Afro um, movement to which hip-hop is a part of. So to then go to your other question, the braid. So when I when I got here, popping popping and house have always been a part of my technique, my language. Yes. Um, so when I was into hip hop in general, and I got into hip hop party rocking at and that was established in the eighties and nineties, I also got into house, which was a huge thing Thing for for me because because, okay so so rewind rewind back back. (laughs) house and popping have always been a big part of my language since my second year at ohio state okay so a teacher dancer by the name of tina salling she comes from copenhagen denmark she came through as a guest artist that year her main styles are house and locking and so that was like everything to me that semester like i ate all that up and one of the first things that she said to me when we met she came into the studio i was practicing at the studio and she's like yo where are the clubs at and i'm like i had no answer oh okay because at that point i practiced all of this stuff myself like from youtube that, that was my teacher, teacher always. And, and I, I didn't even know what it meant to grab these styles from the original environment that it grew from. Yeah. Yeah, the club. So she had a diff obviously she's a she was she is, she was a master of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's like, right away, I gotta get into the clubs. Yeah. And so me being the only hip hop person there, she assumes that I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry to disappoint. <laughs> and so she's like, what are you doing? Like, you got to step up. You got to find out the clubs here. And so we, there was only one. Yeah, there was only one, but it was a house club. And so every Thursday night, we would go out, we would bike down High Street, 
hit um oh, what, what is, is it called, called brother uh i forget, I forget the club, club. Mm-hmm. but we, we would hit it up and it was just heaven yo like that semester was bomb so i had a couple of friends who were really into house at that time yeah and a we, we just, just we just jammed, jammed. and it, it, it was, was the first time I got introduced to the spirit of the community mm-hmm. and the spirit of being in the club and how dance exists in that form. Mm-hmm. So that's house. And then popping has always been intriguing to me. I'm a logical person. And so there's something about puzzles and Rubik's cubes and theorems and all of that stuff that grabs me. And I, I think that the puzzle of popping Get, gets me uh yeah, yeah it gets me kind of hot really great yeah <laughs> that's a great analogy <laughs> so so both of those things have been embedded in me uh and that, or the interest has really been there and so when i got to new york i was straight into those classes but you said that you were still so what what was that thing wait there was another thing that you said but i lost it needless to say what was the like big ticket because at first it was like you would you going in between the commercial scene in LA, well not LA, but I'm gonna assume it's LA, uh, and yeah. then but you chose New York, right? You, because just like, just like a little bit of like why? It's or? been it's, it's been, been in my spirit. spirit. I attribute this to God. I I feel as though I went to I moved I went to LA for a month. Oh okay. The summer after I graduated, yeah. to check it out, and I had been in New York. At the summer after my first year of grad school oh, for okay. three months. Oh, okay. so that's probably why. Well, I don't think so. I don't think it was the time. It you, I felt it in my spirit that for one, I got my ass kicked when I was here in New York City during that summer, and my god brother ended up telling me like, "Yo, this city will give you a." shell that nowhere else will give you um and so that attracted me and then this is this is literally the epicenter of so many afro-american forms and so much black consciousness and that is sex like that's so good and juicy and so i knowing that Again, Again, that, that hip hop is, is a part, part of a larger tree. tree. Right. I want to know everything. Ah. Right. So yes, I'm, I'm not interested in. I wasn't, and I couldn't articulate this at the time. Right. But my spirit wasn't interested in an appropriated copied form. Ah. My spirit was interested in the raw and real. Or, or, or maybe the seed of the tree rather than the branch of the leaf. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah it is. Because the it roots is a of the tree. Well, because I know hip hop is a branch, but then the commercialization of hip hop as a form seems more like a leaf or even a, like a, what is it called? Like a seed pod that's going to like drift off and do another thing. You really wanted to get to the heart of this form. Yes, so I, wanted I wanted to get, get to the root of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I think is super amazing. Okay, so you moved here. Right. right. So, so I moved here. here. I, I had to get, get into popping, popping in house classes. classes. Yes. Right, right away. At. At EXPG, cool. EXPG. Shout out to EXPG. Exile, Exile Professional Gym, and so Sibo teaches there, mm-hmm. um, and he's one of many amazing house dance teachers there. Mm-hmm. And then Castro teaches there as well. Sure. Oh, and shout out to Kim Holmes. Kim Holmes was my first experience with house, <laughs> and I just love her so much. Kim, if you, you ever listen what? to this episode, I like <laughs> adore you. I love her class. I can never stop smiling. The last class I took, she had me doing a forward roll. Nice. I'm just always happy. I've never she's taken like, her class, but I've heard only amazing things about it. She's just so, she's so, she just really feels familiar. Yeah. She even, like the way that she talks, there are certain things that she says that really feel like home. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure she's from, a, from up here. So that's also like, it just maybe it's just a thing about her. But shout out to you, Kim. Yeah, what's I up, adore Kim? you. Yeah, and, and the, you know, it's building shots, it's made, it's building shop challenge month. So she has been shouted out a good few times. Oh, because she's the bomb. She's the bomb. And she, she uh, spreads her lineage through a, a mass of people. So, um, yeah, she's very influential to the culture. Shout out to you. So you totally took me off tangent. So what? what you were it? taking classes with Sibo oh, right. and, and Castro or no? Both, yeah. At EXPG. But I was, I mean, I was taking Castro significant a lot. And Sibo was, Sibo is just like, 
the, the man. man. Like, like he's, he's one, one of the most personable people, people I know. And, and so I got into his class a couple of times, but it was I just was attracted to his spirit right away. And I'm a vibe person, so if I get attracted to your spirit, I am really adamant about getting to know you. So um I, I just interacted with him around. Yeah. And so that's what really the cool thing about EXPG is that we kind of, and give me a little bit, um, but EXPG, the, it's a street dance hub, yeah. right? So people come through to take class, of course, but a lot of the practitioners come to come. Like, it, it, yeah, it's like Baptist church. Shooting the breeze. Like you have, you have your sermon, but like you just chill afterwards and wrap it up. So that was a dope vibe. And so Sibo and I connected on that vibe. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, that that's how the thread ended up coming. EXBG as the, the hub, the physical hub and the physical space for a lot of street dance practitioners and knowledge right now. Yeah. And so me being there, I was innately going to meet or yeah, I was going to meet them. Yeah. So that was a lot of backstory. So now I want to talk a little bit about the process. So mm-hmm. I want to specifically talk about you got the grant. The grant was for dance, dance preservation. preservation. No, no. How much? Oh, $5,000. So given the scale of this project, first of all, was that enough to foot the bills that you was that enough? Yo, let, let me tell, tell you. <laughs> this is why we have We Make It. How do we make it? $5,000 has never burned out of my pocket so quickly before. Um, When I got the grant, I was like, yo, we got this money. Like, we about to make this happen. And it really, getting getting the money really put into perspective how big the project was in its proposal and its intensity. Because we wanted to do 25 interviews Right. 25 interviews and dance films with 25 different practitioners. Right. Um, all lifting up either a, a different elder. Right. Like, cra- like just crazy numbers. But shoot for the stars. Shoot for the stars. No, it was great. Or shoot for the moon, you'll land on the stars. Land on the stars, right, right. And so, and it was a $15,000 grant that was that was, that was given up. So we got a piece of it. Right. Um. So, yeah, it, but right away, I mean, the equipment, Getting the equipment that that, that took, took almost almost half, right? Because not only did we need the audio things, we needed the lighting, we needed mm-hmm. the video equipment, just all of the things. Mm-hmm. And then you're talking about paying the dancers, mm-hmm. paying the interviewees, um, paying the videographers, mm-hmm. paying the editor, pay, like just paying everyone. And of course, we we have to do that. Like that's yeah. one of the big qualms that I have about a lot of artistic work in New York City right now is that I don't feel like we really do that justice. We we want to create work, but we don't do the work in order to create the work, to really give... Um, or like to pay a dancer what they do reasonably is not a part of the work. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and that, that, But that's work. work. It, yeah. That <laughs> takes work. And so that's what I mean. Like, it's right. not easy to right. do that, but right. we there's so many other hardships that come up that we foreground in order to make a work or to make a project. Right. And that, especially as dancers, we always take ourselves for granted right. and our friends for granted. And so this was just not that. I, I was like, if I'm going to take this on, I'm going to really be adamant about having integrity when it comes to paying people. So $5,000 is not enough. So then what'd you do? So we ended up going on to Kickstarter, or sorry, not Kickstarter, GoFundMe, and starting a GoFundMe campaign to do some crowdsourcing. And that we ended up raising a about $3,000 in that way. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, I mean, the ultimately the community comes together and, and helps out when it comes to um, important projects for the community. Yeah. And so that that's one of the things I was banking on. Yeah. And uh, with one of the great things about SIBO and Castro, people who are really embedded in this community, is that they their voices really matter. So if they say, like, hey, we need to give to this project, then people, people, people will do that. And so... Um, and I, I need to to uplift the people who support me too, yeah. because there were plenty of them as well who gave, and, and so that was really a blessing to to feel them uplift this project and uplift me in, in that way. 
Um, so, so yeah, we, we ended up getting an extra $3,000 through that. And, and then it's just a lot of negotiations with the, the talent and the space and all of that stuff. Um, so it was constantly me shooting out a, a number of what our budget could do, them yeah. saying this is what they typically charge, and then finding a medium uh, place with that. And a lot of the I was I was again blessed enough to have so many people who were gracious and uh, ended up cutting down their normal price yeah. to a discount. Um, which, which is the only way we could have such quality work yeah, for, for what we're doing. Uh, right, right, because things like audio, they, it's like yeah. if you don't have that good, crisp audio, then it's going to fail, especially as a documentary. Yeah. And so uh, doing the dance films and getting nice production lights and stuff yeah. like that and having people who really know how to use those lights well yes. to the best ability, though that – that's, that's some value, value. Yeah. And, and so I really appreciate them knowing their value and then being willing to, to compromise on that as well. Yeah, and what I love too, uh, we had, you and I had talked briefly, I think a couple months ago, and I just wanna bring it up only because I think it's really important. I'm learning this, but also um, I felt like you were learning this at the time too with this project. You said to me that like, I can't do everything because I'm not a pro at everything. And I think a lot of times with creatives across the board, this is not just a dancer thing, um, we we are so um, efficient and resourceful. Like we know we can pick up something really quickly enough to figure it out just so that we can see our dream to fruition. But there are right. times like this where if you don't know what you're doing, right. the um, the gift or the the beauty of what you're trying to give Quality, yeah. could not um, maybe be where it needs to be to be accessed the way you want it to. Right, and for the hip hop community and the street dance community in general, there's just too many things going on that devalue and marginalize Mm -hmm. these communities to put a product that is based out of those communities and those dance forms to shame. I mean, like, we we don't have, I personally feel an obligation to do my absolute best to make this excellent. Yeah. And there there's no lower bar than that. Yeah. Because, again, because of how many people use these forms to do whatever they want to do, but mm -hmm. don't attribute to the origins of what they do so yeah we we had to we had to make sure that this is as excellent as it could be and that's all to say this is the first step and so this is a one part of a larger process um prayerfully and thus we understand that there are going to be chinks in the armor that there are things that we need to work on of course later but as far as putting our best foot forward to make that's all yeah that's yeah, the standard that, that's the standard and what i do love too i don't know if people have noticed this but i always in some form or fashion even the way that i do interviews i always try to go backwards before i go forwards i think to answer the conversation of like where we are right now um without acknowledging how you got here does a disservice to the whole conversation. Absolutely. I know y'all could be at home like, oh my gosh, Katie, these are, these conversations are so long. But even if you just listen to the first part, I feel like that gives you, I don't know, I think it gives you an opportunity to see this person from a, from a scope that is theirs, first of all, but from a scope that you wouldn't necessarily see, especially because a lot of times my guests are teachers and my guests are out, but they don't get... You can't walk up to Q and be like, so Q, you know, how did hip hop really just, you know, how'd you find hip hop? <laughs> I mean, I would. I don't think many people are interested in asking that, honestly. And I think for you not to be interested in asking, wife, mm, let me not assume. That's rude. I'm interested because I think it just really informs. Then to me, it makes sense that this is why you're doing this. Like, I, I think it's, you know, to see a work and not know the why. I'm probably not going to be that interested. I'm going to be honest. But if I know that you literally have been watching You Got Served, <laughs> it really just, it, it really, not um, namely because You Got Served was such a pivotal like, point in my childhood too, mm -hmm. but it just gives me a point of access. And even to hear the trials of like picking one city over the other, um, I just think that that's so much a part of what you're doing. Yeah. And so just in terms of origins, I Yes, it's important for us to acknowledge them. It is. And one of the main 
questions within Building Shop is why is it important to pay tribute to our elders? Yeah, that's how we start, and a big part of it is we must look back to look forward. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty big cliche, but I think the gem within that is our ability, and this comes from uh, Thou Shall Prosper, actually. Our ability to have foresight. And people talk about having foresight in regards to prophecy, especially in the black and brown community. We look at it as this mysticism. And one thing I give a lot of white people is that they're pretty good at, they're really good at foresight and seeing what's going to be, what's going to happen, what can make money, not what exists right now. And I think as a black and brown, as a black, excuse me, I think the black and brown community has a lot to learn from that, actually. Um, and so anyway, in regards to foresight, you have to look back at history and the patterns that exist within that history in order to understand what can come. And so you look back at what has happened, you look at the present and seeing what is happening, and therefore you have a clear, more objective view of what will happen. And so I don't think, I think for, for me, one practice that I'm really trying to develop is doing that process, looking back, how does that relate to now, and then using those two things to inform what will happen. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have nothing more to say. So, as always, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Oh, that's good. So, how are you maintaining, or not maintaining, because I understand both are options, Real. Uh, mental sanity, mental wellness, in whatever capacity that looks like for you during this process? Yeah. Or how have you? Because this has been a long process, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, my mental sanity at its core is always based out of my relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And recently, I have been asked in a couple of interviews, what is, what is dance in your spirituality? Like, what is the relationship between those things? Sure. And I actually had a whole hour uh, interview answering that question without mentioning God. And like that blew, I played it back later and that, that blew my mind. And so I have been doing a lot of work in regards to answering that question or articulating that for myself and how that relates to mental health is, I think that as a Christian, I have two sides to me. And so I have my my flesh, I, and my, my flesh has its, its desires, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's a part, part of this world. world. And mm-hmm. then I have my God spirit, mm-hmm. which is not a part of this world. world. Right. And, and so, so those two things are at battle with one another every single day in okay. multiple ways. And so dance as a practice ends up being in sync with that war. So, for example, this morning... I'm in deep squats. And if you know me, you know that I'm one of the most bound people in the dance world. Um, so there's my musculature is just insanely wound. Um, and so me doing something like deep squats, really, it hurts. It's very painful. Um, and, and not, not because, because not, not in a way, way that it's going, going to hurt me and injure me, okay. but in a way, yeah, 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 yeah. In, in, in a way that, that my, again, my, I'm, I'm literally breaking down my flesh and re-teaching my body to reorganize itself. And so I'm breaking it down to build it back up, right? And that process is very difficult. So I'll sit there in deep squats for like two, three minutes just right now because I'm just starting this. And I'll be like crying. I'll be praying. I'll be like, because it hurts that bad um, that I personally want to quit, but I want to get through it as well. So there's this battle of what I want and the desire that I want to get to and the reality, the quote unquote reality that I'm facing with this bound body right now. 
And so that war that exists ends up being a lot of times a mere reflection of the war, the spiritual war that exists for me to live in this world as a godly being. So you find that this physical practice sustains you? Oh, absolutely. Like this is how you maintain? Yeah, yeah that's, that's my worship. Breaking yourself down as a way to build, literally breaking the muscles down yeah. and then rebuilding them yeah, back out. Yeah, exactly. Anything yeah. else? Um, reading, reading, reading my word, reading the Bible, getting refreshed on that, um, going into community and not being isolated and so that's one of the beautiful things about the dance community in general but the street dance community as well is that there's always this use of dance to create community um, and that's always a foregrounded thing over the technique and so what comes with that is a notion of being with constantly and that is refreshing um other than that No, that's, 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 those, those are pretty, pretty much, much the biggest, biggest foundations. foundations. Hmm. So I'm trying to think. So I think the last, because in Preston's interview, we did not talk about mental health and world, mental health and mental wellness because transitions, I think, is a lot to chew on. So that like, mm. I think the conversation itself is a part of mental health and mental wellness. I wish I could tell you that I was over the deep squat and with your boy, but your girl is not. What are you not over? I'm not deep squatting with you. Oh. Usually during the mental health and wellness segment, I'm like, oh, yes, I know people that do that. Oh, yes. Got you. I, okay. I can <laughs> no. Um, I do read as a way to, like, that is something that I, that is a practice that I like to maintain. Yeah. Um, I went for a run. Nice. For the first time. Your girl has been injured this year with a shoulder thing. I also had to reteach. Ah, there it is. Do it. I'm you yes, I can always find common grounds. So I did not so my mm, I had a bad habit. For those who don't really know me like really, really personally, I walk really turned out. And it's not because of the dancer training. Like I've always walked what we would call like slew footed or like a duck. Okay. Um, and I had been getting these really, really, really bad peroneal pain. Mm -hmm. Like I'd had it, I think since undergrad and that would be a few years now. And so in addition to that, I'd end up lifting this piano. Long story short, shout out to Brick Falcon at Dynamic Alignment. Essentially I was walking wrong. Mm -hmm. She's like, Katie, get get it together. together. Like literally put your foot straight like and so the last few weeks have been me occasionally looking down at my toes to making sure that they're going straight um but i do think yeah um everybody has a pattern or we all have our patterns and i think when i think about mental health and mental wellness i do think about how can we train our bodies to have the patterns that we want rather than the patterns that we've picked up out of necessity or survival or just habit. Um, I'm picking up, I literally started, shout out to Janelle, uh, my piano teacher. I was doing, yes, I started piano back again uh, last week. And she was like, Katie, you know you do this double tap on your last note. And I was like, really? But again, this is a habit that mm-hmm. I've picked up from somewhere. Just explain to the people what a double tap is. Oh, so like when you go C D E F G A B C C B C B A, so I just double tap it. You saw how I did that, right? Like give it to the audience. Yeah. All good. I think that's important. So, but I and I bring that up as just this habit that like number one I didn't notice, and number two, I only I really don't need, and so. I hope that people always, even without Mental Health Awareness Month, I will always try to talk about it as it relates to an artistic practice, but in a way that's like very, I think it's accessible to say like you have patterns that you like about, you have patterns that you like and you have patterns you don't. That walking one, y'all, it was painful, so I had to get together. And with the double tap, she even explained like it wasn't a bad habit right. it is something to be aware right, of right, right. and it's because you don't need it right. and then but, but then you can use it how you want to, to now right right and then even with scales it could slow you down right. so like if you if you're gonna be slow <laughs> be slow and like knowing and like wanting to be slow right versus slowing yourself down for no apparent reason right so i encourage everybody um if you 
need anything in terms of mental health and wellness, talk to us. Talk, talk to, to us. us. When you see us in the street, act like you know us. <laughs> so before we get up out of here, this is just a huge project mm-hmm. that really tackled so many parts of you, I think. Mm-hmm. As, As big projects usually do. do. As they do, as you get closer to the event, nice. um, what have been some like nuggets that you have received from this process mm. that um, you maybe you didn't force maybe you didn't foresee those seeds? That's, That's a, a tough, tough one. one. I have to think, think for a second. second. Do you think? One nugget is patience. Yeah. And I mean, even we we talked about it with just this podcast. Yeah. Me coming late. <laughs> and it's like you at this is your baby, right? Yeah. And you feel so strongly about it, and as you should. And the people that you invite in, you're inviting into an intimate part of you, right? Yeah. And so thus. Me being something like me, even me being late is mm-hmm. like could be could come off and does come off in a way as dis- disrespectful to to that it could right and so as a leader at least for me I'm sensitive right I'm sensitive and I'm I'm an emotional being it's, it's real it's real yo Eric Badu I love you uh so when I'm emailing you over and over and over again mm-hmm. and well even even the thought of emailing and hitting up repetitively mm-hmm. like repeating myself mm-hmm. i would when i began this process it would be very much i tell you what i want and then i ain't your mama like do it right but then it wouldn't get done and, and then, then I, I would feel, feel disrespected, disrespected right. because you didn't get it done. And then I'm like, oh, you don't care as much right. as I do, right? And so right. then there's this animosity that comes. And right. at the end of the day, this I, I realized that this is about the project and the people that we're uplifting, not right. me, right? So as a result, I need to learn patience. And I need to be willing to commit to the work and put the work in without expectancy of the result right Mm -hmm. so i ended up growing within and i'm totally still dealing with this every day of hitting people up telling them what i need i don't get it the next day i hit them up again tell them what i need and again and again until i get what i need but in the midst of that being like it's nothing personal this is just what we got to do we got to get this thing done right and so for the cause, mm-hmm. we got to put ourselves to the side mm-hmm. and focus on that. So let's get this thing done. Mm-hmm. But having no emotionality about that, mm-hmm. um, just, just making it happen. That's amazing. Yeah. So where, first of all, let the people know once again, when is the event and what time? Yes, of course. So building shop release party. I need to see y'all at the VC house, May 31st from 7 p.m. to midnight. We partying it up, y'all. So it's going to involve uh, just jamming, good music. Uh, DJ J's art remote is uh, playing and spitting out the ones and twos. Sibo uh, is emceeing. And then we'll be... Uh, putting out this video and so it's about 20 minutes 20 to 30 minutes that we'll just be watching this thing i'm still in the editing process i don't know how long it's gonna be um and then we'll have a time of remembrance where we have the people of the community just coming up and saying words um uh, of memory with with these elders um and then we'll have some food so it's gonna be like a nice barbecue vibe and feel and so yeah we're just gonna get down um and just have some fun so I think you girl might get off at at midnight. Will people mm. still be there? It clo- we, we have to close at midnight. I mean, we have to like a, so because they're the venue. That just got a feeling. We talking about black people too. Yo, you it, know? It, 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 but we're gonna really have to like shut it down like at eleven thirty because of that CPT. Like because uh, the venue will have our head 
for if we, we go, go to So we gonna have like an after party at a club nearby? No, that's, that's actually a good idea. idea. I had not, not thought about that. that. You need to totally get on it. I Come on now. The party don't stop until the thing goes down. That's real. That's real. That's real. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need. So you trying to take on that responsibility then, cuz? Exactly. If you want me to find something, you just let me know. Okay. This restaurant job. Which it's on air. Don't edit this. Oh, well, uh-huh. but yes, with a, yeah, with restaurants, guys, you already know how it goes. We you gotta close, you gotta lock up. So sometimes, especially if I don't know what day of the week it is, I haven't left. I've left like past one. Oh yeah, you were bartender now. Bartending, but also line. cashier, and also like just getting the space back together Word. for the people, so everybody leave at a decent time. Word. So we'll talk off air. Yeah, yeah we, we have to the after, see after, you there. After, after, no after, doubt, after. no doubt. But where can the people? That's where the event is. Where can the people find you? You can find you're gonna be a busy me. man. This and you got other stuff coming up too. For, for sure, for sure. sure. So, uh, yeah, ADF is coming up, and I'm you teaching. Can catch ADF. me. Yeah, that's going shout to out crazy. to ADF if you ADF. We need to do a partnership. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> shout out to Speak you. Speak it into existence, yeah. Um, I really hope that happens. That would be dope. Uh, but you can find me on Instagram, uh, Q for Christ. It's C U E, not the letter Q, the number four Christ, C H R I S T. And then Keelan Q Arnold on YouTube and Facebook and all the other things. Um, yeah. Um, email, if you're trying to get serious like that, is Keelan Matthew. So Keelan, I'm going to do it like Katie Smiles. Keelan as in Keelan, as in Mom's Little Cub. Q U I L A N. And then Matthew is M A double T H E W at gmail.com. All right, guys. So, as always, I want you to make it live. I want you to make it breathe. I would like for you to kind of figure out where it's coming from. If you don't, that's fine too. But as always, I just want you to. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.